Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by Men's Tea Clinic. Men's Tea Clinic is the team I trust with my total wellness optimization, and so should you. Five DFW locations with North Frisco, El Dorado Parkway at Dallas North Tollway now open. Call 972-GO-MEN'S-TEA or visit mensteaclinic.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. We're departing for spring training on Sunday, obviously, the entire team is already there. But right now, just how good will the Rangers offense be this season? And if we have time, the best. I want to segue into hitter with perhaps the most approved. So I was reading an article on CBS Sports, and they had the top 10 offenses in baseball. And the Rangers come in at number four. That's respectable. I like that. Okay, who would you put... I think or the Dodgers think with Mookie Betts, Shohei Otani, Freddie Freeman as their top three hitters is really tough. Dodgers are second. I would also say the Braves lineup is pretty uh, nasty. Braves are number one. So uh, that those two for sure. They could put, I would say it's very close. They could look at the Houston Astros lineup and say it's very close. Houston Astros are number three. But I think you can make an argument there if you think right. maybe the Rangers could be the third. Yeah best lineup is and we talked obviously a lot's going to hinge on Evan Carter slash maybe Wyatt Lankford in their everyday lineup and what those two rookies can do because I think those two guys can take them over the top uh, of Houston because Houston doesn't have any new young guys that are going to be great hitters right we know who they're bringing back now we've talked about this in the past and this is MLB's projected everyday lineup so just to refresh people that doesn't mean it has to be like this, but just throwing it out there. Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Evan Carter, Adolis Garcia, Josh Young, five, Nathaniel Lowe, Jonah Heim, Justin Foscue, eight, and Leody Tavares, nine. Now, look. That can I, change. Yes, absolutely. Is when you hear the lineup laid out like that, or you can make whatever alterations you want, do you view this once again as one of the top offenses in the league? I do. Um and one of the other factors that I now add to it is all those dudes played with and went to the plate in the biggest moments. That nothing will be too, or no regular season moment will be too big for them where they're shaken or nervous or anything because they've already done that. They've already experienced it. Here's where I'll say they, they could be number one. And I understand <clears throat> you only pick a nine man lineup. Their depth, if you're going to go off of that, is. Wyatt Lankford, Ezekiel Duran, who almost made the all-star team last year. Yep. 
And then you have Travis Jankowski, who I know that you can't count on this, but didn't he bat close to 300 last year or just a hair over 300? Oh, look, excellent addition. Those are your – and I I do think this. If Wyatt Lankford's on the team, I think he's going to be in the lineup at least 80% of the time, somehow, some way. Uh, And he could end up being your number three all hitter. Right now it says Evan Carter. I I do think that Bochy is going to – Evan Carter's not established as a three-hole hitter. I, I do think they see him as a leadoff hitter. But I think they're going to stick with Simeon to start the year. I'm not 100% sure. But I could see Wyatt Langford two months into the season just being, he's batting third the rest of the year. That's what I think as well. Jankowski did dip down to 263. Okay, sorry. But it, he he was in the 300s for a stretch. You were like, oh, my gosh. But it did kind of fall just a little bit. I'm, I'm a little interested. I'm mostly interested in Josh Young, what his projection is going to be and what he's going to do this year because – he could hit in, in multiple different areas in your lineup this year. He could hit three if you wanted to. I mean, he could hit four. He could hit five, six, anywhere in the lineup. But during the World Series, during the playoff run, they had him hitting pretty low. And I was like, hmm. But he had a really good regular season. Can If he matches that regular season, which was, what, 23 home runs, like I'm feeling pretty good about what we're getting from Josh Young. I think when you look at these lineups, and we'll specifically say the Rangers, the tough thing as a pitcher is you look at it and go, crap, it's not an easy out. I like that. Yes. Like if, if you get through the first five hitters, the, the lineups that you go, all right. Like even the Angels when they had Shohei and Trout, you looked at it and go, that might be when they're healthy, the most dangerous one-two combination. Yep. The great thing was is usually batting first and then five through nine, you felt very confident. If I make a good pitch, they're going to be out every time. If I make a bad pitch, they still might take it. They might not take advantage of it every time. But when you look at the Rangers, you could have you could be in the fifth inning and you haven't scored a run and you have seven, eight and nine coming up. But you're like. These guys can get on base. They can do damage on their own. And if they do, the lineup turns over to Seager and Simeon with runners on base. That's the thing that made the Rangers so awesome is I know other guys accomplished this too last year, Acuna being one of them, I know, and then Simeon having 100 RBIs in the leadoff spot. Mookie Betts might have done it too. Is The only way that happens is you have a strong bottom of the lineup to give your leadoff hitter opportunities for RBIs as the game progresses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the spotlight player I wanted to take a look at was Leody Tavares. I just, what did you think about him yesterday? Though? I mean, excuse me, I last like, year. I was like, good. I was like, I no, don't no, no. know what he did no, no, yesterday. No, no, no. I know you but, talked about Dane Dunning sorry, versus sorry, sorry. Wyatt Langford. Last season. We felt, we felt good about him, yeah. right? Yes. He, he had his ups and downs. There were moments where we thought, oh, dang it. He's just not getting on base enough, but he plays great defense. What do you do? Do you have to take him out of the lineup because you just need more offense? And then luckily he would start getting on base more and would have big moments. I think that he is an everyday player on most teams. He's going to be the everyday center fielder to start the year. But I do think in a, if you're two rookies, because they're both considered rookies, Carter and Langford get off to a really good start. I could see five, six weeks into the season saying our best team is Carter, Lankford, and Garcia in the outfield. And that's that's why I've, I focus on Leody because for the season, like you said, he played very good defense, hit 266 with a 733 OPS. So I'm not complaining about the totality of it, but 
when you look at, for example, his on-base percentage, is his on-base percentage dropped dramatically in the second half of the season. Going into the All-Star break, it was 340. It would dip as low as 297. And then you look at his OPS. So these are more of the stats that I know a lot of people will focus in on is it was 812 going into the All-Star break. It fell as low as 712. Yeah. And then you look at the playoffs where he hit 175 in the postseason with an OPS of 579. So he had a strong September, yeah. but October and a, a big chunk of the back half of the season were just not good. And so his defense is phenomenal, but I, I do wonder if they're like, yeah, man, you're a valuable asset. I'm not saying he can't play at all. Most I, teams would want yes, him as an yes. everyday player. And that's what makes it a tough conundrum because most teams would want him. He's still young and cheap, but you might already have a better option. That sounds like the components of a potential trade. It could be, yeah. Uh, I just look at it and go this. I'm not, because I do think Leoti could be the odd man out, and I'm glad you're bringing this up because I honestly haven't had this discussion with you, and I've thought about this. If a month into the season, you're just like, look, when we start constructing a lineup, and Wyatt Langford can run. Yeah. It, so can Evan Carter and so can Adolis. Like, yes, you lose a little bit maybe sure. on your defense, but not much because those three guys can play center field too. So you still have three guys that are going to cover a lot of ground. And then if you look at the drop off, isn't going to be much in defense, but our offense could jump up a lot. If you take Wyatt Langford, he's, uh, you know, third for rookie of the year in Vegas because it's Evan Carter one, Jackson Holiday two, yes. Evan Carter, or sorry, White Langford three, I do think this, and this is at the end of the year, if Leoti keeps this job, here's the hope. In 2022, he batted 261 with a 675 OPS. Now you look at home runs, five, RBIs, 34. Last year, he had 14 home runs from five, 67 RBIs from 34, and then upped his batting average only five points, but his on base plus slugging went from 675 to 733. What you're hoping for is, can we have at least a 20-point jump in your OPS to 750 or above? And then the weird thing is, is one of the things that we know he can do, but Bochi doesn't like doing this. Bochi does not want to steal bases unless he feels it's absolutely needed or it's going to be really easy to steal the base. Because Leoti only had 14 stolen bases, and he played in 143 games. You would just think his on-base percentage needs to be better at 31%. But if he got on base 33%, you would expect somebody like that would have at yes. least 30 bags in today's new rules. But the Rangers, you know, going to another player, my son was like, you only think Evan Carter's going to have 30 stolen bases this year? I said, the Rangers don't like to run. What's mm -hmm. his goal? I, well, like, he thought he could get goal? 40 okay. or 50. And I'm like, I do think he's fast enough. And I do think he could accomplish that, but I felt like last year we've had one year of Bochi here under the new rules. Bochi kind of made it clear we're not trying to steal bases unless it's absolutely clear or it's absolutely necessary to try this. Do do you consider fatigue at all for a Wyatt Langford, Evan Carter, and I, yeah. having the, and the benefit of having Leody? I know you have Travis Jankowski, but having a Leody on your team. Again, this gets to you to mid-season. He's with you in my mind. He's with you until mid-season. 
and um, unless you've already decided your team's a winner and you're ready to, to to go ahead and make that play. But he's with you until midseason, in my mind. I, I think you're spot on about what he can provide for the team. And I don't want Leody to leave by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just thinking about how would I like to have this super awesome fourth outfielder versus another starter? I think you know, this, like, yeah. and then that's where I have trouble. This is where having Bruce Bochy, a Hall of Fame manager, uh, on your staff really helps out because I think he's going to manage those things. To your point, Corey, I, I know, I know that Wyatt Langford played professional baseball last year for forty games, forty-four yeah. games, but his schedule for the last three years has been Tuesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Those are the days you play in college baseball, and that's it. You don't ever play Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. Those are off days. So maybe if he makes your team out of spring and you have 162, maybe you make sure that you keep him as fresh as possible. Evan Carter, I'm pulling it up here, his minor league stats. He played in 106 games in 2022, and he played last year uh, in the minor leagues 108 games. Now, he did get called up and played 23 games, so he had 131 games last year, then the playoffs. But he wasn't playing close to the 140 that you can play in yeah. A, yeah, yeah. a season. So maybe Boach does look at it the way Corey just said, and how can I keep the guys fresh? But you also don't want to get them out of rhythm. A lot of players do not like sitting out oh, three sure. days in yeah. a row. Like, do not sit me out three days in a row. If, if there's four days, I need to be in the lineup at least twice to kind of keep some level of getting regular at bats. And to – kind of add to this conversation mike we heard this morning from jeff wilson that they're considering they're considering opening day with three catchers and i wonder how much that limits like your ability to like now you're looking at how many other spots do i have available and if that changes is it sam huff as the third catcher? I, I don't, See, and that's what i was immediately wondering about too. i will have to go revisit that conversation because he doesn't he didn't post the names he just said they're they're gonna they're planning to open three and the Heim wouldn't get his first start until the 28th of February in Cactus League. I, so it sounds like they want to have Heim's legs you yeah. know, throughout the season and everything. And too. Kisner, I, I would assume, would be the best. He's for sure. Then. He yeah. signed a major league contract. Yeah. I'm just wondering about Huff if they're saying we're carrying a third catcher, not trying to take a shot here. He won't catch, but he will DH a lot. But he can catch. Does that make sense? Because yeah. right now you mentioned Foscue. Maybe there is a there has to be an open competition. Maybe there's somewhat of a competition for that DH spot between Foscue and possibly Huff. I do think right now you have to look at Josh Smith and Ezekiel Duran, and you're hopeful that they don't start the season as a starting player because that would mean either Josh Young or Corey Seager didn't make it to opening day. But that's a strong possibility that one of them, their rehab isn't going to go perfect, and they're going to be perfectly ready for opening day. So there's a possibility Ezekiel Duran might be your starting shortstop for opening day. Like I would I would say right now I'm 50-50 after hearing Corey Seager yeah. speak that it's either Ezekiel Duran or Corey Seager on opening day, 50-50, and – I don't know. Will it be five games? Will it be 15 games? I don't know. I'm, I'm just wondering about Zeke not being as a DH option if he's going to have to pick up uh, shortstop or possibly third base. We're the KNC Masterpiece right here on 105.3 The Fan. We've been talking about doing this topic for a while. Sticking with baseball, is Randy Johnson right? Are modern MLB pitchers being prevented from reaching their full potential. 877-881-1053. Let's do that next right here on The Fan.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. KNC Masterpiece back here on 105.3 The Fan. We're going to talk about pitching, specifically Randy Johnson. Specifically, no, not that time he made a bird explode. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up, and it will be one of the most amazing videos you've ever seen in your entire life. It's like a magic trick. He said, look at this bird. Disappear. (laughs) And it looks like the bird legitimately exploded. All right. The bird got in the way. Yeah. Well, I'm not, and he didn't do it on purpose. It's not like it was in a tree, and he was like, hey, y'all think I can knock that bird out of the tree? Yeah, no. Can you imagine the... How many times would you have to throw a baseball? Even if there were birds flying all around you, like I'm gonna peg this bird. Good luck. Yeah, two hundred times, a lot. And I still, from the moment that that it happened, Kevin, in that moment, it still looks like he just goes, "Oh crap!" You know, like I had a good pitch. Was gonna be a strike. (laughs) He's like, "That was gonna be a great slider," and I just blew up a bird. Luckily, it was a spring training game, so hopefully, it wasn't like too too bent out of shape. But now I'm one under. That. Because it was a birdie. I got you. Yes, I understand how your brain works that, now, Mike. Mike, that was a good joke, dude. I'm proud joke. of that one, man. Back See, to you, because I supported his joke. But we're not actually talking about exploding birds. We're talking about different... <laughs> sorry if that surprises you, Corey. Hey, birds. Is Birds aren't real anyway. We're going to talk about something else that Randy Johnson said about the potential of pitchers and maybe losing an entire generation. The... There was a piece that he did, and he was on with Odyssey. Uh, he was on the Brett Boone podcast. And can we all agree that Randy Johnson was one of the best pitchers of our generation? Yeah. Yes. Okay. He said, "My the, the, the first quote in there was, it's not where the game is today, but it's pitchers that played 26, 22 years in the majors, four in the minors. It's all I knew. It's all I wanted to do was go as deep in a game as I could. And it wasn't unheard of to throw 130 to 140 pitches. I might have 15 strikeouts in a game. I might have a high pitch count. But I always thought that the starting pitcher's job was to go as long and as far as he can on that day. And then five days later, do it again. 
But that that was that's the quote that kind of sets that up, right? It's the next line that says, the biggest problem I have with it is that I don't think that pitchers today will ever realize how good they could have been if they were getting those extra two to three innings because now you're not out there. Now you're not put out there. We played for Lou Pinella when I was pitching really good up there and he became the manager. We kind of talked and he said, if I, if just be honest with me and tell me when you want to come out uh, because basically he was saying, I don't have anything better in the bullpen than you. So I'm not, I'm going to let I'm going to ride that as far as I can. But from that perspective, Mike, he's saying pitchers won't find out how good they could have been because of those extra two innings. When I take from that is those extra two innings are probably where you're going to have struggles and really have to pitch to get out of it. You're going to have to do some things because now they're hitting the stuff that you've been doing for most of the game. You're like, oh, my sequences have been working. I got it all figured out. Now they have you figured out, and now you have to kind of go back at them. And that's where I think the starters learn how to get out of jams, learn how to, you know what, I I have this situation, but I do trust my infield. I do trust my outfield. And I think there's that's an important thing that pitchers don't really get anymore yeah. uh, to how do I get out of this jam? I mean, think about Evaldi and how many times he got out of jams during the playoffs that you were like, oh my gosh, that's all on the line right now. And because he knew how to handle it, he did it with, I mean, almost to perfection. He was 5-0. and Yeah, of course he did. So I would say that Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Clayton Kershaw is the end of that breed that... Okay. That they were able to early on in their career. I'm not saying push for CGs. That's that was they were past that. Even during my time, if you look at uh, the early 2000s, or I was drafted in '96, that was starting to weed out of the game. You have to go back to so obviously like Ferguson Jenkins could throw 30 complete games in a season. Yeah. Right? That that so it's doable. So the interesting thing. Go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, and the mindset too then was if you don't you maybe didn't really do your job that day. Right. I mean, I just, I remember Al Leiter telling me when I was with the Mets, you can complain, I'll take out cuss words, but you can complain about the bullpen blowing your win if you pitch seven innings. But if you give them more than six outs, I really don't want to hear about your complaining, but we can complain together if our bullpen isn't holding leads and you only gave them two outs to go. Now that was 2002. The game has completely changed from then. I think what's tough is, Corey, is they're teaching guys. It, it, they're teaching everybody. The first inning is the ninth inning. The second inning, if you make it to it, is the ninth inning. So I want you to pitch like a closer for as long as you can, which means you want to throw everything you got in the first 15 pitches, do it. Now, we were taught differently. What can we hold back? So the second time through the lineup, I remember watching Verlander, and I asked Nolan Ryan this in spring training when he was with the Rangers in 2011 or 2012. And I said, you know, obviously I didn't get to watch your career early on with the Angels. I got to watch it late with Houston and then with Texas. And I said, I watched Justin Verlander, and he could throw 101 back then. And I said, did you hold back? Verlander would throw 94-ish, 95 yep. to start the game, and then about the fourth inning, he would get close to 100. Yes. And then in the sixth inning, and I played with Bartolo Colon in Cleveland, and he would do that too. He'd start off a game at 92-93. By the third or fourth inning, when you're about ready to go through the lineup the second time, he was now in the 95-98 to 98 range. And then if he made it to the seventh or above, 
he would then start pumping in some 99s. Yes. But that was the way you were taught, can you? And no one says. they I, get so used to seeing this early on, yeah. and then you're you're slowly building up, and they're like, come on, he just threw 100 miles an hour past me. Yeah. How did he do that? Yeah, this is a new pitcher, and it's, it's the same tired. guy. <laughs> is that is that they could do that. They were taught to do that. Now, which is weird, I'll pass it to you, Kevin. We've seen the human body do it. It'd be like somebody yeah. running the four-minute mile or under the four-minute mile and go, you should never try yeah. that with another human being. We're backing it off to you can only run this in five minutes. Anything getting close to four minutes, we're going to blow you up and destroy you, and we can't do it. And that's what we did with pitchers. I'm not saying most people will never be built like Nolan Ryan. But I bet there's been somebody since Nolan Ryan who's been built like Nolan Ryan that somehow, some way could throw 200 pitches on somewhat of a regular basis, but we don't even see if that human can accomplish those things. So we really, we just hold, I think what Randy's saying is we hold everybody back from possibly the full potential that he was able to reach. And I keep thinking about an analogy about the All-Star game for this is people are like, oh, nobody's competitive enough to do it. Or, and then you see somebody like Anthony Edwards and you're like, maybe, maybe he is. And so that's what I wonder if if there's a mindset of pitchers coming up or their dad who helps them or whatever the case is that you damn sure can do this. And then they push that mindset as like, hey, no, I can pitch into the eighth inning. I'm good. Yeah, I think the like the the stories, our favorite stories to tell about pitchers is did you see that special day when he had a no hitter or a perfect game or what, you know, whatever it is. You know, like Greg Maddox's, what, 72 pitches that yes, he threw? Yes, unbelievable. You know, like 15 of them weren't strikes. You like, shut your mouth. He's, and he's like, hey, I really want to get to the golf course after this game. Let's get it over with quickly. That's fair. And I think that's the that's the thing is you don't get to see a special. Like, Evaldi, what he did in six innings was special. You know, we, we were happy that he was able to get through those moments. The big, you know, tide that turns early in games. Moments that, that you get into a jam and get out. But they're not as historic and recognizable as the no-hitters, and you don't even get that chance. Maybe you're there, but you're not going into it thinking that today I'm going to no-hit everybody. And and I might do it two or three times this year. And to that point, I'm not saying it wouldn't still be cool, but if you saw a five-pitcher combo no-hitter, you'd be like, that was awesome. But I don't feel like you'd be exactly. living and no. dying on every pitch in the ninth. Because you connect to that yes. one guy. Yes. I it, hate saying it, but I don't care about combined no-hitters. I don't either. At all? No. Okay. I, I don't even. I, I know it counts in the record books that that's a no hitter. I. It doesn't matter to me if the team did it. That's cool, but yeah. it doesn't matter. A, a, a no hitter is when somebody does it, not okay. a team does it. Yeah, and and to your point, like I, I still think I would be like, oh, that was neat. But if it's you know Jacob Degrom made his comeback and he's spinning a no hitter in the ninth inning. I feel like I would be living yes. or dying on every pitch, regardless of what the score was. Yeah, I'm connected to the pitcher and his, and whatever his story, whatever his emotions. That dude must have been riding so many different emotions each inning, even to the point where he's not paying attention at some point. He's just kind of like, I'm, you know, I'll get back out there, do my sequences again, and we'll we'll go through it again. To your point, I could be wrong in the history of baseball. Don Larson, I know, throws a perfect game in '56 in the World Series. And I know you have Roy Holiday throw a no-hitter, I believe, for the Phillies for the playoffs. And then Houston threw a combined no-hitter. I don't – like, I'm not trying to hate on Houston. This isn't – even if it was the Rangers, I'd be like, it's cool. But I don't think of that as, like, a no-hit – a playoff no-hitter. I'm like, no, somebody has to accomplish that. I've always – I've just always thought this was weird that we've decided – and I get pitch count matters. But sometimes – 
we're all different. And sometimes a pitch count really does matter. I'll give to probably Jacob DeGrom, a pitch count really matters to try to keep him healthy throughout a year. He's probably a guy when completely healthy, you're looking at 180 innings going, dude, do not push it more. But I'm just, I'm throwing a person out there. I don't know. Garrett Cole might be able to throw 250 innings in a season and come back and do it again. But you've already trained, like I talk about, I'm not a good horse. Like, I don't know horses well, but I do know. I just want that one part, Alec. I'm not a good horse, Mike But I do know that a lot of times when I've watched the Kentucky Derby and they win the next one, is it the Preakness? And they get to the and Belmont. The Belmont's last the one. Belmont, we have it like, backwards. It might be backwards, but they're like, I don't know. This horse might die because it's only trained to go so far. And that yeah. race is so much more. And so what we've done is if you take pitchers as horses, we've only trained the horse pitcher to go six innings. We've only trained that horse to go approximately 100 pitches in high school, in college, yeah. in the minor leagues. And then when we get to the professional level, if you're like, dude, can we push him to 125? You never push that horse to 125. You've never pushed that horse to a mile and a half. So you're probably going to kill the horse. So when a dude starts getting pushed and then he throws a no-hitter, I'll give an example, uh, Reed, is it Detmers? Detmers? He threw a no-hitter early on in his career. And then the next three starts were so bad, they had to send him down to the minors. And it's like you never train that horse from age 14 to 22 to ever throw nine innings, and it killed him. And I think about, this is a different situation, but I think about Johan Santana, and I'm not saying throwing all those Bueno combio. Yeah, all those pitches ended his career, but man, it did feel like there was a sharp drop-off right after that. Yeah, he's an interesting guy because... He had such a dominating changeup. So if you don't know in, in Spanish, cambios changeup. But uh, that's why you thought he could last a long time. You know, we're going to get Jamie Moyer on tomorrow, by the way. So tomorrow, 1045, we'll have on Jamie Moyer. Obviously, he was uh, uh, had a great changeup. A lot of times you think, well, they're going to pitch for a long time. Tom Glavin, 300 wins. Mid to high 80s fastball with a great changeup. Great, uh, perfect, you know, I won't say perfect location, but some of the best location you'd ever see back then to get to – 300 wins but we've seen power pitchers it's not just nolan ryan that's the best example but there's been tom seaver with him around the same era was able to pitch from 67 to i think 89 maybe 88 but was able to pitch over 20 years throwing a lot of innings at high velocity so sometimes you'd say well high velocity now would cause you not to do it but those guys threw as hard as the premium pitchers in today's game and this and that's where i run into the cautionary tales of why people don't do this cuz we brought up santana you were just talking about high velocity picture, pitchers well then let's, let's go with jacob degrom all right let's just take a snapshot of neither one of these players they're they're not going to be in the hall of fame right johan santana in consecutive years, seventh Cy Young, first, third, first, fifth, third. So, like, unbelievable run. Jacob deGrom, eighth, first, first, third, ninth. And the year he finished third, I think, or maybe it was the year he finished ninth, he was going to win the Cy Young by the biggest, you know, runaway in the history of the award. He didn't pitch in the entire second half of the season and still finished top ten. Do you think pitchers look at Santana or deGrom and be like, yeah, because they overextended what they should actually be able to do. 
they're not going to have a Hall of Fame legacy. I don't know if it's if it's the players that come before that are coming after yeah. them. I think it's the organizations and the general managers okay. that say, "Hey, can't I'd rather have 150 innings per year than 200 dominating possible Cy Young injuries." But it doesn't mean that that works out either because we would see a lot less injuries, right? We're limiting pitches. We're limiting innings pitched. We're trying to give them sometimes special off days. I remember my former teammate, CC uh, Sabathia. Do you remember when he got traded to Milwaukee and he just went on a run? This is like 08 or 07 where he's just throwing complete game after complete game. Then he's like, just put me on short rest. We need to make the playoffs. And he throws like almost another complete game like – there was a stretch if you went to game logs for CC where he went to Randy Johnson mode where he's like, I'm just going to throw a CG almost every game for my short time with the Milwaukee Brewers to get us into the playoffs. And yeah, his teammates are like, it's the greatest pitching performance I've, I've ever seen, seen in my life. And I'm not saying it wasn't great. It was. But you go back 10 years, 15, 30, 40 years, there were guys doing that. And, I, and, and it's. It's interesting how we hold guys back and we just don't see. Now, you have to do it in the minor leagues. You have to see in the minor leagues. You go, hey, let's watch him. We're going to we're going to see when he starts fatiguing. We're going to see if, one, the radar gun goes down. But that might not be the best indicator. Maybe they are able to fight through that and throw the balls hard. But we can see the body language. We can see the body not working as well anymore. We can see it in his facial expressions that he looks like he's tiring and fatiguing we're at pitch 117 in the seventh inning and then we take him out of the game and we see how he recovers from that so if you're in Frisco you're like hey we always have off days on Mondays but let's see how he recovers from that and if the next game he's horrible it doesn't mean he can't do it we're just like what can we do differently to help him possibly be a 120 pitch pitcher Per game, but we've we've decided not we us, but baseball has decided we're not going to even try to see who could be the next Randy Johnson or Nolan Ryan or Tom Seaver, and you can go down the list. Even if you didn't throw super hard, I, I know he was. I loved him, uh, Don Sutton. Like, I don't think he threw super hard. He had good stuff. He's a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't Nolan Ryan, and he was able to pitch a lot of innings and figure out how to pitch. This is this is going to be weird. I, this is how I relate it in my brain. Is we brought up Johan Santana, mm-hmm. and we don't have to discuss this at all. Just maybe a random fun topic I want to discuss in the future. I know it's never going to happen. I think Johan Santana definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame more than Craig Biggio. Okay. Why Just, do you hate Craig Biggio? I, do you have a case right now? Yes, like you're ready to here, do the case? Yeah, I, I, I can give you a mini case if all you right. like. All right, Craig Biggio, he's in the Hall of Fame. Can't take it away from him. You know how many times he finished better than 10th in the MVP voting? Twice. You know how many times he was in the top three? Never. Johan Santana won two Cy Youngs, won the pitching triple crown where he had the best ERA, most wins, and most innings pitched, I believe. And he also had three other seasons where he's top five Cy Young. These were all in succession. So five times in the span of six years, Johan Santana was top five in Cy Young, winning two along the way. I think you can look at the early to mid-2000s and be like, that's one of the best players in the game. You're saying Biggio is kind of the Al Frank Gore of of baseball? He he was there. He's around a lot. I think that this is always tough as a voter. You bring up a valid point. I'm not saying you're right or wrong is do you look at the prime five years of a player or yeah. do you look at the long- longevity of a player? Because 
to your point, I don't have Don Sutton's numbers pulled up. But there's a longevity to get you 300 wins. There's a longevity yeah. to get you 3,000 or 500 home yeah. runs. And so we, in baseball, usually look at the longevity being more important sure. than the prime. Because to your point, a guy like Del Murphy, a guy like Juan Gonzalez, people that won multiple MVPs, They're not in. you would think yeah. get more... Um, you know, recognition, but they're like, no, their careers weren't long to stack up the numbers. Don Mattingly is a guy that, if you look at his prime, Hall of Famer. Yeah. But then you go, oh, he didn't play that long. And, and what I mean, you like played 20 years, right. obviously. You play 20 years, you get 3,000 hits. You're like, well, oh, man, this guy Bassick's so awesome. I better bunt off of him for a hit. Hey, man, I'm not that good. You know I'm slow <laughs> off the mound. Just swing the bat. I like how you have scoreboards of, like, all these people that you pitched against. Ichiro bunted off of me. Dude. You know I'm not that good. Please just swing the bat. I don't need to be jumping off the mound with my knee brace and figuring out how to get the ball to first. Just wanted to point out, while we are in surprise, uh, <laughs> Sunday the Rangers will be hosting the Giants. Monday they will be at the White Sox. Tuesday they'll be at the Diamondbacks for a oh, rematch World of the Series. World Series. Wednesday they host the Dodgers. So that Wednesday will be a massive day. Was that... Did we you, see Heaney and Mookie Betts square off last year? Yeah, Mookie, Mookie Betts, Betts just like, smashed the ball. Yeah. I didn't even see it. I just heard it, and I was like, well, that's not good. And then Thursday is hosting Milwaukee. Hey, do you guys hate the San Francisco Giants for beating us in the World Series? No. Not really. Not like the Cardinals? More disliked for the Cardinals. Because okay. I didn't think that was a World Series we should have won. Gotcha, because it quickly ended. Yes. I was wondering, do you think the Diamondbacks have any ill will towards us? Probably not. They're, they're probably they happy they got there. You know, they were just like, hey, we got to the World Series. That was a lot of fun. And there was no animosity between the teams. Like, they're really, like, not like it was with, with Houston. There was. But the, what about with St. Louis? Do you feel like there's animosity? Yes, no, there was the bullpen thing. And the bullpen thing was less animosity. Like, the animosity came from they they had the 58 uh, run game against us where Pujols hit a grand slam that went through the Diamond yes. Club. Yes. But also, that the way that it ended. They could have played the game in St. Louis. The rain wasn't that bad. Right. The the and they they end up getting a you know an, an extra day so their pitcher can start. So their a and then soon. on top of that, the way that that game six went, there's a lot of hatred mixed into it. Like just all all the hatred was you should have won it so many different times and you didn't. But again, that has all been cleansed as we are defending World Series champions this year. Ready for some Mike likes it? I am, but Let's I'm, go. I am going to continue baseball talk. Hell yeah! So, the top 100 players right now, 11 through 20, was unveiled, and for the first time ever, the big headline is Mike Trout is 12th. So when they started wow. this in 2013, I, I wrote this down on another sheet of paper and then forgot. I believe <laughs> that he day, has Mike. eight number ones. That he was number one wow. twice. Number two, and last year he was number three. So the first time since they've done this. He hasn't been top three. This And last year he was three. He was one or two for his whole career, and now he's dropped out of the top ten. And I would say rightfully so. I, I'm not trying to knock Mike Trout, but he gets hurt so much. Yeah. And last year when he was healthy, it was a disappointing year when he was healthy. So I agree with dropping him out of the top 10. You're not going to like, Kevin, who's number 11. Oh, is it Bryce Harper? Corey Seager. It's Bryce Harper. Oh, okay. 
So Bryce Harper, they were showing in the rankings, in the history of Harper and Trout, because they came up about at the same time. They've been in the league all the years approximately at the same time. Trout made it one, I believe he made it one year earlier, if I have my years right. I think Uh, so. uh, But you look at them, and it was like, who's going to be better, Harper or Trout? And Harper has never been in the top 100 players right now above Mike Trout. This is the first time ever Harper makes it above Trout at 11. And here's my contention before people get mad. Where did you say Bryce Harper was, 11? He was 17 last year, 11 this year. let's go off of that. You know how many times Bryce Harper in his illustrious career has finished 11th or better in the MVP voting? He won two of them so far. And that's it. Those two Uh years. The two years he was named the MVP, that's it. Otherwise, he's finished 12th twice in his career. The thing is, because he made it at such a young age, remember he skipped his senior year of high oh, school. Oh, he'll have the compilation yeah. stats for sure. Yeah, the, the hits, he'll have over 2,500, I believe. He should have over 500 home runs. So he will, to your point, but then he's going to be probably an easy vote in into the Hall of I'm Fame sure. because of I have, I'm sure he'll two MVPs. Now, to, to go along with that, though, looking at the compilation numbers, Trout. the only thing he has over Mike Trout is games. 1,508 to 1,489. And that's the, or if you want to add LCS MVP, uh, because you go look at silver sluggers, nine to three, uh, MVPs, three to two, all stars, 11 to seven. It's, I mean, the, the history is there. Just, okay. You seem like a very, like you love Mike Trout a lot more than Bryce Harper. And I don't understand the hatred towards Bryce Harper. It's not hatred. People have tried to push this opinion on me. All I said was Bryce Harper has not lived up to the hype. And I stand by that. If you talk about LeBron and Bryce Harper, they're the most hyped basketball player and the most hyped baseball player in the history of the world. LeBron, I believe, has lived up to the hype. Bryce Harper is not a very good player. I do not believe he's lived up to the hype of, this is the guy who's circumvented the high school and college system because he's going to change the game. I don't believe that's true at all. The player who jumped the most that was ranked last year that has made it into the top 20, Colleyville's own Bobby Witt Jr. was Woo! 92 wow. last year and moved to number 20 this year. So That's he went from huge. 92 to 20. He had, I believe, 59 stolen bases uh, and then 29 or 30 home runs. That's I, why they gave him all the money. So he, he jumped from 92 to 20. Now, I have this question. This is going to be tough. There was a rookie, Corbin Carroll, who made the top 20, number 18. He wasn't ranked last year because he wasn't in Major League Baseball. What would you put the percentages on if he's number 18 that Wyatt Lankford or Evan Carter could jump from not being on the list to being a top 20 player in Major League Baseball after their rookie year? Both of them or one of them? Either one. Do you think either one of them have a chance? And if you were to guess... If I were to, what number would you say they will be a top 50 I'm not re- player? I'm a not top, ready to just put. Just a top 100, barely making the list. I'll put Wyatt Langford in the top 100. Yeah. Uh, but I I just, he hasn't stepped foot on a major league baseball field yeah. yet. So I don't want to go, hey, I, mean, I haven't even seen, my eyeballs have not seen him play a major league game. I know Evan Carter's approach to baseball, and I think he could make it. I think you can make it into the top 30. So both rookies of the year. I was going to say top 50. I like that. Gunnar Henderson was 34 in the American League and Corbin Carroll, number 18, being the National League rookie of the year. So both rookies of the year did make it at least 
34 or higher. Top 35 for Evan Carter. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. I have zero clue where to put White Langford yet. So everybody knows pretty much, if if you want to read the article, who's going to be in the top 10 because you're down to, you're like, okay, Otani, Betts. Uh, you're looking Seager. at Corey Seager hasn't been named yet. Ronald Acuna Jr., Aaron Judge. So, like, they're like, all right, so what, Julio Rodriguez is yeah. going to be in the top 10 because he hasn't been named yet. So everybody's trying to guess how will they do – one through ten. It'll be interesting. I believe it is tonight that they'll unveil. It's either tonight or tomorrow night. They'll unveil the top ten okay. players okay. right now. And Corey Seager will be on the list. That gives the Rangers five players. We've talked about it earlier. We saw as this started, you know, getting into the top 50. We're like, okay, so they're going to have five guys. You have uh, Simeon, who was number 21. And you have Seager unranked, but will be in the top ten. Then you had Adolis making the top 39 was he i know he's in the top 40 somewhere i think he was he's 39 and then you had just making it at the end of the list you had nate avaldi and nate Lowe. five guys that's good yeah you know your average you want to have three yes if you look at it and i always said anything over three you're doing good you really want to have six or seven then i do think the rangers have an argument for jonah heim and josh young both all-stars Obviously, Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom were top 40 last year, and they dropped off because of injury. So I'm wondering, next year, I know we haven't even played this year, but I do think the Rangers do have potential for all five of those guys to stay on the list and then to add Lankford and or Carter uh, and or Scherzer or DeGrom come back and are good enough to make the list again. So I do think the Rangers have potential to really – help themselves out on this list. Obviously, Nate Lowe could fall off the list. Yeah. You know, Nathan Avaldi was barely on it. He could fall off the list. Obviously, we really need Avaldi to stay oh on this gosh. list. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we do, especially with the departure of Montgomery. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, – oh, wait, one more thing. Oh, my gosh. Rangers new batting practice oh, hats. I tweeted out, it's it's perfect. That's the per- – Rangers, you did it. Whoever designed that, you did it. You've made the best Ranger hat ever. So it's the old logo T. If you go back to the 70s and 80s, it's a red. Is it script? Is that the not script, right? It's it's a block, block yeah. letter. Block letter of the T. So old school Rangers back when, like, let's say Nolan Ryan was playing on the Texas Rangers. The bill is red. Where the T is, it's red, but that part is white. And then the back of the hat is blue. It's awesome it is going to be their batting practice hat so if you go before the game and they're getting ready for a bp or you see a guy throwing a bullpen you're going to see that hat i'm hoping this that is such a beautiful hat i know some teams do this i don't know if the rangers will i would love to see that incorporated with their all white home jerseys i think that would look beautiful obviously on the road you're wearing gray pants either gray jersey or your blue jersey and having a white front not crazy about that. That's why Montreal would go to all blue on the road, then have their, I don't know, pinwheel hat at home. I I love your description of it, and I'm glad that y'all showed this to me because that hat is amazing. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.